Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. Uncut. Uncut. Unedited. Raw. Raw. (laughs) So we're coming to you unedited this 12.33 in the morning on a Thursday (laughs) because my hard drive blew up. Yeah, I blew up right there in your room. There's burn marks everywhere. Freaking exploded. And you have blisters on your face. I shouldn't joke about that. I've got a face for radio now. Oh, God. <laughs> what? A face for radio. Never Does that, that mean expression? you're ugly? Yes. That oh. means you're ugly. I don't think you're ugly. It's like saying a face only a mother could love. Wow. <laughs> but anyway, like my, my hard drive did not actually, not even Ed Gein. Ed Gein <laughs> loved his mother's face. That's a different thing. A more anyway. creepy thing. Yeah. Yeah, so there will be no editing with this video. Yes, so I do we not... We're just not video. Yeah, we, see, these are the kinds of things that we would cut out normally, <laughs> but it's in there. We're just going to be shitting around. Goofing it's going to be a little bit loose today, so just prepare yourself. So anyway, my computer's in the shop. That's the main point, and therefore no intro, no outro, no editing, we're just going. It's just going to be this. We're just going to do it. This is what it's going to be. So if it sounds kind of weird to you. And you can't even edit my singing voice to make me sound good. I'm like kidding. I always do. <laughs> T-Pain style. I'm on a boat. <laughs> I'm going to put you in a log cabin somewhere in Aspen. Maybe we should go to Aspen. Aspen would be cool. We've been it's talking about um, doing a Colorado trip. Yeah, we're trying to go to Colorado. Oh, um, also let's let me say a couple things. Um, I got the Instagram page up. I got it. I actually oh, got it did? up a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's been up. <laughs> okay, I haven't posted anything you yet. You should do that because I don't want to post like bodies of like human combustion because like you know I think I'll get banned. <laughs> so we can post like Deep victims. Back. Okay. Like their faces and stuff. Okay. And what they looked like and maybe what the killers looked like and stuff like mug shots maybe, stuff like that. Um, we feel like we should be doing more around the podcast. We like. really should. Um, we need to open up our Facebook page because it's closed right now. We need to open it. I don't or think make a new that. one. No, we need – what we need to do is make a page. Oh. But – Do you think people will like people it? People have closed groups. Like the MFM group is closed. Oh, yeah. It's got like 157,000 people in it, but it's a closed group. Oh, yeah. If you make it open, then that's not really... I don't think it's the same thing. I don't think it's what you're thinking of. You right. Yeah. Because like before I had it, this is also the kind of stuff we would cut out normally because now we're getting boring. So let's just move on. (laughs) Okay, we're moving on. So uh, last time I talked about Tupac and this time I'm going to talk about Biggie. Right. Uh, I'll just go first then. Just for that transition. Okay. Anything else we want to say at the beginning? I don't think so. I feel like I've had some corrections from previous episodes, but I haven't been diligent enough to actually, like, write them down. The one I can remember is, like, the Michael B. Jordan thing. I I was just making shit up. 
I was just like totally pulling stuff out of my ass. Michael B. Jordan? Remember when we talked about, like, I went off on this whole tangent about how it's Michael B. Jordan because he didn't want to be conflated with Michael Jordan and, like, no, I don't think any of that's true. I was basically <laughs> just making it up. I, like, looked on his Wikipedia page later and I was like, oh, oh, I don't think any of that's true. <laughs> I believed you. If you say things confidently enough, people will believe you. Even sure. if what you're saying is complete bullshit. Oh my god, actually, we, we We strive for accuracy, but obviously, sometimes we're talking off the cuff. What? Did you hear that, um, you know what, no, I was going to make something up. To, like, prove your point, but I can't think of anything that's not ridiculous. Right. Plus, whoever's listening to this could just look it up, <laughs> and then they would know. You know? You know, Mario, that's not the point. So I'm sure there's <laughs> other corrections. We need, I'm, I need to go back and listen to some of our, the last couple, and, like, see if we need to correct some stuff. But anyway, Alrighty, then. I also keep forgetting to say my sources, which I'm also not going to really do today, because I didn't write them all down. Because my computer blew up! That's my <sighs> excuse, and I'm sticking to it. All right, all right, all right. You ready? Are we ready? Are you ready? For Are you ready night, for some nights, football? A night of nights tonight. No. Okay. Let's dance. Not a musical. It's, this isn't High School Musical 3. What are you talking about? This is why I'm here. I was in high school so many years ago. Oh, God. You're old. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm going to start. Okay. Um, like I said, Biggie Smalls. Uh... I'm going to talk about his murder, which is very, very interesting. The thing about Biggie Smalls is that he has more of a, not as many theories around and mysteries surrounding his murder in that um, we kind of know who did it, but it's nobody's, Mm. like, the LAPD messed up, Mm. basically. We were talking about how that's, like, a recurring theme that we've been noticing in these, like... The Mis- police just... Yeah, that's when mysteries tend to crop up, is when, like, when police grew up the investigation. Yep. It's going to come up in mine today, too. For real? So, yeah. All right. So I, I feel like that's just, like, something we're going to have to, like, get kind of get used to. Mm-hmm. That, like, part, part of why things are mysterious is mm-hmm. just because, like, there's a certain few hours at the beginning of an investigation that you just never That's crucial. Back. Yeah. That's completely crucial. I mean, we saw that in the OJ case. Uh-huh. We saw that in Jean-Benet. the Jean Bonnet case. Yep. It's just like, it's a real recurring theme. But anyway. And in both Tupac and Biggie's deaths. Right. It was really, they but actually with Tupac, waited sorry. a month. They waited a month to start a full investigation. What? But they knew it was a murder. Yep. See, but this is also, that we've also talked about before, this concept of the lesser dead. Mm. Like, Biggie and Tupac to the LAPD in the mid-90s, I'm sure it did not seem like. Well, I guess it wasn't the LAPD for Tupac. Well, let's but. begin because there's okay. a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot that I can go into okay. about that. Yeah, yeah. So Christopher Wallace, better known as Biggie Smalls or the notorious Big, was born in Brooklyn, um, and as we know, he was an absolute hip hop legend all throughout the '90s. Uh, similar, he was similar to Tupac in that his death is also a murder mystery and still has many theories. So the anniversary of his death is actually. Uh, Friday. Oh. This upcoming Friday, which is also my sister's birthday, so shout out to my sister. She's turning mm. 17, which is bizarre. Yeah, you go, Skylar. 10 for Skylar. It's your birthday. Anywho, Biggie was killed March 9th, 97, 1997, in Los Angeles. So he was shot four times in a drive-by shooting, just like Tupac was. Mm. Um, so he was in... The reason he was in LA was to pr- promote his new album uh, titled Life After Death. Um, and it was actually scheduled to drop a few weeks later on March 25th. quite a Prussian title. He actually has a song called Ready to Die. What? That he wrote in 94. So there's that too. A few years before. A few years before, yeah. Okay. He gave a radio interview on March 5th detailing his new album as well as the filming of the music video for his new single, Hypnotize. And interestingly enough, he talked about how he like feared for his safety Mm. during this time and it was this was six months after Tupac was killed um and he hired like private security like extra security to follow him around and stuff um so two days before his death March 7th was the Soul Train Awards and then uh that night he attended an after party where both the Crips and the Bloods were in attendance 
And I'd also like to honorably mention the fact that our girl, Aaliyah, was also there. Oh. And she would die three years later? I think she died in 2000, I hmm. think. Was hers mysterious? She died in a plane crash. Ooh. And the thing about that was that they were filming a music video and they got done a day early with the music video. So they went, they like got... They like went on a flight oh. early, so she wasn't even supposed to. And be it was there. she wasn't even supposed to be there. And it was a private jet, and apparently the the jet was seven hundred pounds over <gasps> the like weight limit. What and so when fuck? it landed, it landed like nose down, oh, and everybody God. in it died. That's pretty terrible. It's tragic, tragic. We that's should watch Queen of the Damned sometimes, sometime mm-hmm. because that's a great movie. Anywho. On the early morning of March 9th, around 12.30 a.m., so that was, um, the awards were the, were the 8th, and then midnight rolled around, and then it's March 9th. So around 12.30 a.m., Biggie and his entourage left the party that had been shut down by the fire department due to, um, overcrowding. He left the party with none other than Sean Combs, shows up again, um, a.k.a., you know, P. Diddy or Puff Daddy. I always call him P. Diddy. The mogul. The mogul, who at this time was the CEO of the East Coast record label Bad Boy Records. So as they were leaving, here, okay, so here's, here's what happened. There were three cars, two SUVs, and then one other car carrying their uh, Bad Boy Records head of security and some other guys. P. Diddy was in another car with three bodyguards, and then the third car... Um, was Biggie with his driver and then two of his um, associates. So by 12.45 a.m., the streets were crowded with people leaving the event. Biggie's SUV stopped at a red light on the corner of Wilshire, Wilshire Boulevard and South Fairfax Avenue, excuse me, just 50 yards from the Peterson Auto Museum. Then a dark-colored Chevy Impala pulled up alongside Biggie's SUV. The driver of the Impala, a black male dressed in a blue suit and a bow tie, rolled down his window, drew a 9mm blue steel pistol, and fired at the Suburban, hitting Biggie four times. So out of everyone in the car, Biggie was the only one who was shot. Yeah. Wow. So this shit was, like, targeted. Um, P. Diddy, uh, so what happened was his... There were three cars, right? His car actually made the light, and Biggie's didn't. So he was stopped mm. at that light. Um, so P. Diddy ran out of his car to Biggie's car, and they drove to Cedar sinai Medical Center, where Biggie was pronounced dead at 1.15 a.m. So DOA. Yes, he was dead on arrival. Um, so there is a couple theories that I found, but I got the main theory uh, from BuzzFeed Unsolved. So Suge Knight, who... Um, was the CEO of the other Death Row Death Records, Records, I think, mm-hmm. and that's the West yeah. Coast. Yeah, yeah, and, Death Row Records. Uh, along with corrupt LAPD officers killed Biggie Smalls. That's the theory. And the motive for this was to avenge Tupac's death. Of course. So one of the main things to support, and that's, again, the East Coast, uh, West Coast rivalry Right, which has been here. simmering for many years. Quite and- some time. Yeah. So one of the main things to support this possible theory is the fact that there were LAPD officers on the payroll of Death Row Records, and they were, like, serving as security guards. So they were, like, on both sides. Right. One of the officers, named David Mack, was on this payroll. What incriminates him is his relationship with Suge Knight and the fact that he was there the night of the party. Furthermore, he drives a black Chevy Impala, like the one seen at... uh, that intersection. So another man named Amir Muhammad also has a connection to David Mack, and he is the alleged hitman, the one who pulled the trigger. His face was also picked out of a lineup of witnesses. Hmm. Um, oh, of, uh, out of a lineup by witnesses. Right. Um, and his face matched the police sketch as well. So this info came for, actually came from a prison informant named Mario Hammonds, who claimed that Suge Knight's crew... No relation. No relation to you. Sorry. <laughs> who claimed... Not that first names... First names don't even like Mario. <laughs> I, was, I was just making that joke earlier today. It's like someone who's like, oh, are they related? And they have the same first name. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wow, that person's really... No, honey, Sorry, no. go on. I was joking. <laughs> so, prison informant Mario Hammonds, who claimed that Suge Knight's crew, quote, handled the business. Mm. 
So similar to, and that brings me to saying again, similar to Tupac's murder, that the LAPD didn't investigate properly at all. So there was no forensic testing on David Max Black Impala. They did not interview Amir Muhammad. And the lead investigator, Stephen Katz, quote, forgot to hand over 200 pages of documents. And these documents described in full detail the involvement of another LAPD officer like in the investigation it's the thin blue line it's the thin blue line so former LAPD lieutenant Sergio Robledo commented on how the robbery homicide division had waited an entire month before beginning a full investigation he talked about how he had never seen that in 30 years a murder of a big time celebrity usually they would be right on that but they weren't and when he um Russell Poole is another officer who also mainly came up with this theory. When he talked to his uh, fellow officers about that, they said, no, we're not going to go there. Wow. Yeah. So the murder was actually declared a mistrial due to that missing evidence, that 200 mm. pages of, do- of missing documents. Also, Biggie was shot by a Gecko 9mm armor-piercing ammunition. So this ammunition is only sold by two distributors in the U.S. And they found um, bullet casings in David Mack's home. Of the same kind. Of the same kind. But obviously they never did any ballistics to see if it was the same exactly. weapon. Exactly. Wow. So, just like in Two Box Murder, there's a theory... So there's that theory, and there's there's another theory that P. Diddy did it. And P. Diddy could also profit posthumously. Is that how you say that? Mm, posthumously. Posthumously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After um, death. After death, yes. And there's also there was also a rumor that Biggie was thinking of leaving Bad Boy Records, just like there was a rumor that Tupac was thinking of leaving Death Row Records. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of money-fueled rage that kind of sure. is, is a big theory and a big factor in this of... For sure, especially if those LAPD LAPD officers were on a payroll. So in that specific theory, the Sean Combs theory, Mm -hmm. it would have been basically that he felt betrayed. Exactly. That, you know, if if I can't have you, then no one can have you. Exactly. You know, kind of the jilted lover kind of. Yeah. But in this case, it'd be more about, you know, loving the money that Biggie was bringing in, obviously. So in 2006, Wallace's mother, uh, Valletta Wallace filed a $500 million wrongful death lawsuit against the LAPD, alleging that corrupt officers were responsible for um, the murder. Right. Um, But that, I don't think that went anywhere. I didn't write down anything else about it. Um, I would imagine that would have been a tough suit to... to, Exactly. Yeah. For sure. So, retired LAPD officer Greg Kading alleged... That Suge, this is also another theory, um, retired LAPD officer Greg Kading alleged that Suge hired fellow blood gang member Wardell Faust, also known as Poochie, to murder Biggie, and that Poochie was paid $13,000. He also alleged that Teresa Swan, the mother of Suge Knight's twired was, child, was also involved in the murder and was paid $25,000 to set up meetings both before and after the shooting like, took place. In 2003, Poochie was murdered by a drive-by shooting hmm. by rival gang members while at a stoplight on his motorcycle. Wow. In 2003. So if that was true, pop, pop, somebody just popped him off. And again, the situation is similar to Yadi Gaddafi, who was one of the witnesses in Tupac's murder. And he was also killed before anybody could interview him, anybody could talk to him. He sure. was one of the witnesses who was there and said that he could identify the, sh- the shooter, but he was later killed. Yeah. Um, just like this... Uh, Poochie guy was. So I want to talk about Tupac and Biggie's relationship a little bit. Um, So they met in LA in 1993 during a quote weed-fueled get-together where Tupac cooked and everyone just kind of chilled and that's where like kind of their relationship mainly started. Um, A lot of their West Coast East Coast rap rivalry um it became more real after Tupac was shot five times at a recording studio, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, they actually had uh, 
did a freestyle rap off at Madison, Madison Square Garden one time, the two wow. of them, called Where Brooklyn At? And there's actually a pretty good recording of it. That's crazy. It's really good. Yeah. So their relationship crumbled after what happened in New York, and that was when Tupac was shot five times, and then he was robbed as he walked into a recording studio. And he was walking in there with Biggie and P. Diddy. Wow. And uh, those people were never apprehended either. Nobody was ever arrested for that. Mm. And their feud kind of made both of them more famous type of thing, you know? Of course. Um, And I got this quote from Biggie's wife, Faith Evans, and it says, uh, so by the time Tupac was killed, she says, I think it's fair to say he was probably afraid, given everything that was going on at the time and all the hype that was put on this so-called beef that he didn't really have in his heart anymore. Mm. So they weren't actually enemies personally. It was more of like, this rivalry for, you know, publicity purposes. At one point, they were not necessarily enemies, but they did have beef. Okay. Um, but they were also friends at one point. They were also friends at one point. And it was also kind of this rivalry that was blown out of proportion. And that, like I said, in the Tupac one, he had a diss track right. called Hit Him Up where he talked about sleeping with Biggie's wife. And no one knows if that's true or not, you sure. know. Um, but if anything, it's an escalation. I mean, even even if it's not true, it's like something you say that you know is going to get under the other guy's skin. You know, it's yes. like talking about someone's mom, talking yes. about someone's sister, talking about someone's wife. Yeah. Like, that's how you really get someone. So, um, that's really all I have for Biggie. I didn't do a lot because I based it off of, like, that one theory. And that theory is basically the most solid one mm-hmm. that I could find. Yeah. Um, like I said, I got my stuff from BuzzFeed Unsolved. I got a little bit from Wikipedia and I got a, some of the quotes from New York Post. And I got a lot of the information about Tupac and Biggie's relationship also from the the New York Post. But what I think is interesting about Biggie's murder is is like the fact that there's all these similarities between him and Tupac and the fact that they were friends at one point and then they were enemies. And you said they died about six months apart. They died about six months apart, yeah. Wow. So there's, in my opinion, there's no way this that it's not connected. And technically, Sean Combs is like a connection point between them. Yeah. Right? So it should was not. The, he was the, and Suge Knight, they were both there. Right around, you know, that same area at that same yep. time when both murders occurred. Yep. Yep. And uh, a lot of people say that Suge Knight was in it with the cops. Uh, but just like, also like Tupac's murder, there was a lot, there wasn't a lot of cooperation between the entourage and the cops. Because, you know, there's that huge stigma mm-hmm. between, you know. Well, especially the LAPD at that time. You know, I mean, the Rodney King mm, beating had, like, just happened. So, of course, there wasn't there was, any... Yeah, exactly. There was a lot of ill will, mm-hmm. specifically at that time, mm-hmm. in that place, you know, between those two communities. And so this kind of thing, and I guess this is the same thing with the O.J. Simpson case, too, except that was... When was that? Was that 94. Was 94, so it was about... It was within the same time span, the same, like, decade that Tupac was killed, Biggie was killed, mm-hmm. the Rodney King riots happened, O.J. Simpson was convicted. You know, all o. of O.J. Simpson happened. was acquitted. I thought convicted meant that they, like, were taking him to trial. Uh, no, that, um, like, arraigned or charged. Oh, okay, well, he know. was charged, whatever. Yeah. Um, but all of this happened, so of course there's, like you said, ill will between the police and the black community in general. Right. right. And even though OJ did get acquitted, you know, there are probably some people who felt like to this day, you know, that, that he got a raw deal even with that, you know, that he, it, he was only being, you know, prosecuted, which I think is, is crap. I mean, Oh, he totally did it. It really, here I am as a black woman. And I'm saying that, well, it just, from an objective standpoint, it really seems like he did it. He totally did it. You know, if you look at the evidence, it, like, seems to point toward Orenthal, James Simpson. But that doesn't mean that thousands of, millions of black people aren't being treated shit, like shit by police anyway. Oh, no, of course. And there are a lot of people who are put in, 
jail wrongfully, you know. And, and again, it makes sense during that time for the whole black community to be like, what's the LAPD doing here? But the but it also means you know, gloves. I know. <laughs> Jesus. I know that whole that's thing a whole other so thing. Crazy. We should do an episode on OJ. That'd yeah, be cool. That would be a good one. But we'd have to do like a lot more research. Oh, for sure. Because it's like one that everyone kind of knows. Do about. I want to do that much research though? Do I want to put that much time in? <laughs> Maybe during the summer when I don't have other homework to do. Right. Right. Anywho. That's... So, yeah, that was... So, how old was Biggie when he died? Because I know Tupac, you said, was, like, 25. Was I Biggie pretty young, too? Tupac was 24. 24. Biggie was 25. Oh, okay, so they, they were, were, like, around right the around age. the same age. Yes. Wow. They were kids. So, that's what seems so crazy to me, too, because they were both so young, yeah. and yet... Height of their careers. They're, yeah, they're both such huge figures, and, like, continue to be such huge figures, and... I know at least Tupac has had, like, many, many posthumous releases, right? He had, like, a whole catalog, basically, that they released, you know, in piecemeal, like, after he died. I don't know if it's the same thing with Biggie, but Well, I think his that's album also was still to... released. Right, but it, has he had, like, more stuff come out since then? That I don't know. Because I know Tupac, you know, he kind of, like, still had, like, new stuff coming out, like, even years later, you know? Which fueled this, like, conspiracy theory about him not really being dead. Exactly. You know. But until I see a picture of, you know, Tupac with today's newspaper next to him, you know, I don't think... I don't think that's plausible. (laughs) But what's what's also interesting to me... I know many people who can make that picture happen. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But what's interesting to me is that no one has that theory, or at least I haven't heard it, about Biggie. Like, does that just say, like... Does that just say something about how popular Tupac was vis-a-vis Biggie? Or what does that really say? Here's the thing. I'm not really sure why it's as popular with Biggie. Um, With Tupac. Right, right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Why that theory is more popular with Tupac. Um, Maybe because people claim to have seen Tupac. And maybe Mm. there's people that thoroughly believe that they did see Tupac. But isn't that because they they wanted to see him? Exactly. Exactly. But I... That's a good question. Yeah. But I know it is... It is a theory. People... There are people who do say that he's still out there. Both of them are still out there. It's just not as popular and not mm. as glorified and in the media as it is with Tupac. Right. And that's what it seemed to me. It's basically a consequence of just kind of this overwhelming love that people have for Tupac. Mm-hmm. Because of, you know, his message and... You know, kind of like what he meant to his community. I didn't look up why I should have, but that night at the Soul Train Awards, Biggie was presenting an award and he got booed. Really? Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's because people blamed him for Tupac's that, death. Maybe that's why. Interesting. I mean, he is a sus. He was a suspect. Well, if you want to look into that, maybe do an addendum next time. For sure. I feel like there's a lot more I should have done. Well, you know, I mean, if you want to keep going, you can always add on more later or maybe do another one later on about it. Maybe we could edit. I mean, oh, wait. Oh, no. Edit, uncut, raw. Exactly. Okay. You ready? Ready for me? I'm always ready for you, Mario. thanks. Creepy. (laughs) (laughs) For our radio listeners... Chloe just gave me a creepy wink. <laughs> yep. Which Next. I feel like she's getting back at me for the creepy winks I give her, which happens. Yeah, when Mario and I were first going out, he used to, like, wink at me. I, like, didn't even know who he was. He, I'm <laughs> That's <kidding>. not true. <laughs> That's so not true. I, like, see the APL, and he would, like, wink at me. <laughs> <laughs> no. None of this would be happening if that was true. Right. Okay, so I'm doing the assassination of uh, former Swedish Prime Minister Olaf Palma. Mario, you're doing another political assassination? I'm not complaining. I just think it's interesting. This is, it's like going to be a lot of them that I do. (laughs) There's a lot of them. Oh, for sure. I mean, there are so many. So who's involved with this one? Is it Russia? Russia is not one of the suspects, so we'll we'll get off of our Russia bashing for today. Russia bashing. <laughs> Just to clarify again, it, everything that I talk about in terms of, you know, the bad stuff in Russia, it's the government. It's fucking Putin and his cronies. 
I love the Russian people, and the Russia has, is an amazing country that has a great history and culture. Just to clarify, um, but anyway, talking about Olaf Palma and his assassination. So, so this is the prime minister, the former prime minister of Sweden. Oh, so that's like a big deal. Oh yeah, no, this was that's the, scary. This was Ooh, that's scary. the equivalent of the JFK assassination. Wow, like the it. It emotionally crippled the Swedish people. And, like, well, I'll get into it in a little bit, but part of why they talk about the uh, initial investigation being bungled is because of how impacted the policemen were and policewomen were, and that they basically couldn't function well enough to do their jobs because they were just like emotionally devastated by this man's death. But just to kind of tell the story of what happened, mm-hmm. you know, initially, uh, or sorry, that night, rather. So it was 40 minutes before midnight in Stockholm on February 28th, 1986. A mere eight and a half months or so before I was born, just to date myself, literally. February 28th, 1986, Olaf Palma and his wife, Lisbeth, are... I love that name. Lisbeth, yeah, it's nice, are walking home from seeing a movie. No bodyguard, just kind of last-minute plans that they had, and they didn't really feel it was necessary. It wasn't like a normal thing for them to walk around because this is, I just want to underscore it again, not something that normally happens or had ever happened in Sweden before. Mm. So they don't have that same kind of history of you know assassinations like we do. So he's walking with his wife... In a, you know, not a crowd of people, but there were a, a good number of people around. And this is downtown mm-hmm. Stockholm, the, the capital of oh, Sweden. Wow. And basically a man is like lurking and walks up to them, shoots Palma, uh, Olaf Palma. Uh, he's killed instantly. I think he gets shot twice or three wow. times. And his wife is also shot, but only sustains a minor injury. But it seems like the killer meant to shoot both of them and kill them. Palma is pronounced dead on arrival to the hospital. So he's killed basically instantly. And like I said, when this happened and the word got out, it was the biggest most you know heartbreaking thing that had basically ever happened in modern sweden so the police were basically in chaos in the immediate aftermath of the murder which definitely according to a number of people you know that i read in my sources handicapped the investigation right from the outset bystanders were allowed to roam all over the scene, mm. any forensic evidence, including, you know, fingerprints or footprints or That's also anything, problem, yeah. yeah, was just trampled. And, and they didn't secure the scene for, I I think, hours oh, after this had happened. That's crucial time right Extremely there. crucial. Um, so there was evidence that was destroyed and the bullet casings were actually just found by a couple of random guys who were just, like, walking around. Um, They weren't even found by the police. Uh, The murder weapon uh, has never been recovered. There was a gun that was found in the middle of a lake in Stockholm in, like, 2012, I think. Mm -hmm. But it was never conclusively linked to the crime. No, they just... They kind of thought, like, oh, maybe this is going to be... Which is kind of a recurring theme with this. Oh, this time, maybe we've really found out what's going to happen... But it's basically a series of disappointments. Um, And like I said, although this happened in front of many people and there were a number of eyewitnesses, no one could really describe the assailant uh, other than saying, like, um, he's white, uh, between 30 and 50, average height, average build. He looked like a man, you know, <laughs> if you remember, like, the old Mad TV sketch, you know, yeah. it was basically you know, that. You know, you look like a, like a, like a, like a man. Like right. A man. I'll, I'll, I'll let you do the controversial uh, impression of an impression. Uh, this one? 
that of Miss Swan that we that we can't edit out because <laughs> I is didn't know Miss MMT Swan Raw. was mocking. Yeah, it's culture. Until yeah, looking back on it, it's really like oh oh that's until like that's really insensitive. <laughs> until like way like years after I had like watched it, I was like oh oh wow oh, oh yeah like that's oh that, shit that's kind kind of not okay. So although the initial investigation was bungled and you know evidence was destroyed, et cetera, et cetera. The Swedish police did embark on what's basically the largest investigation, criminal investigation in history, in the Western world. Like, bigger than the JFK investigation, uh, bigger than the Lockerbie investigation. There were over 10,000 people who eventually were questioned. Over 100 people called to confess to the assassination. Of course. Which always tends to... It's one of the weird things with stuff like this. People will just call, and they, they won't even know basic facts about the crime, but they'll call and say that they did it. I don't know what it is about people. That is so people. backwards to me. I don't understand it, but it, it is a real thing. It's a real phenomenon. People will confess to crimes that they definitely have not committed, had <laughs> no possibility of committing. So that's another weird thing. But of all these, you know, 130 to 160 people who've over the years kind of confessed to the crime, none of them has panned out. They all seem to be erroneous. Um, but, like I said, this is kind of the first of these failed, you know, times when, oh, we got it, they think. In 1988, a suspect was arrested. Now, his name is Christer Peterson. Uh, he was 41. He was an alcoholic, a drug addict, an outcast. Um, he had been involved with the police about 60 times. Wow. Some was petty crimes, petty theft, a lot of times, yeah. Um, but one of them was a murder. I think it was eventually ruled a manslaughter, but it happened about 200 meters away from where Olaf Palma was murdered. But in December of 1970. So 16 years before. Does that really mean anything? No. No. No, of course not. You know, yeah, because... It's just a weird thing. Yeah. And it it gave them, the police rather, the ability to paint Mr. Peterson as someone who would, you know, be capable of this And this was probably also a crime they wanted to get done. Oh, of course. They had that haste from the public. Yeah, you know? and it had already been two years since it happened. And yes, there was a lot of pressure to find someone, to get someone to pin this crime on. Um, and Christopher Peterson was one of the usual suspects, you know. He was also known to hang around in the area. And he was identified by Lisbeth Palma and another witness um, as the murderer. But as we know, eyewitness testimony is not reliable. You think that it is. You would think that it it would be. We've found out it is not. So, sorry. (laughs) It's just not. It just doesn't. It doesn't pan out. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I I wish that it were. Watch watch Forensic File. I can't watch Forensic Files anymore because, like, half of that crap is, like, not I know. I can't watch it anymore either. Anyway, um... Christopher Peterson was convicted, but his conviction was pretty quickly afterwards overturned, like four months later or something. Partly because there was absolutely no forensic evidence linking him to the crime. Um, it, it, it just, it clearly seemed like they were just trying to pin it on him. So it, it was overturned on appeal. And he was actually given $50,000 from the government for false imprisonment. Oh, um, Christopher Peterson, like I said, he he was a drug addict, an alcoholic. He blew through that money. Oh, for sure. Reportedly, um, on you know his various vices, and he actually died in two thousand and four, mm. apparently of a fall, probably due to intoxication of some sort or That's another. Sad. Yeah. So I mean, he fucking killed somebody, but, but you know. Yeah, I mean, he he did actually kill someone at one point. Um, so basically for the next 30 odd years, 
there were a number of sort of drips and drabs of information coming in and a number of different potential suspects that people have pointed to. And I'll, I'll get into some of those here in a little bit. But, you know, just to mention kind of the way that the investigation went, initially the head of, you know, kind of criminal prosecution or whatever, that the head policeman uh, in Stockholm micromanaged the case. I think he just felt like, you know, this is so big it's so important, you know, he needs to take it over personally. That does not seem to have been the best thing for the investigation um, because he basically started pointing it in different directions that he personally felt that it should go in, oh, not yeah. really following the evidence. Okay, okay. Yeah, so he was replaced, and over the next 30 years... There were, I think, five or six different heads of the investigation. Most recently, a man named Christer Peterson, spelled with a K instead of a CH, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing. Totally different person. Uh, an organized crime specialist um, who's you know, just a long-time policeman in Stockholm uh, took up the case in 2016. And I wasn't really able to find anything after that, I, I tried to find oh, something. after when? 2015? After 2016. 2016? Right. So there was a new prosecutor who was put in charge in 2016, and I, I really couldn't find any updates after that. So... Got some theories? We'll get into some theories here in just a second, but just as kind of a, a precursor to that, I wanted to talk about, you know, Olaf Palma himself. And now that we've kind of gone, you know, what happened in the murder and, and kind of the investigation, let's take a little bit of a step back and give some context in terms of, like, who was this guy? Why would he have enemies? Why would people want him killed? Mm-hmm. Right. So Olaf Palma, you know, like I said initially, his murder was essentially the same as, like, JFK. Like, he was incredibly beloved mm-hmm. by a certain section of Swedish society. Mm-hmm. And he was incredibly hated by another section of Swedish society. And he he was a left-wing politician. So, you know, he was a big supporter of the ANC, um, which was the uh, Nelson Mandela's party in South Africa. And he was really, really against the South African apartheid government. Um, he also criticized the U.S. heavily for our involvement in Vietnam, and he also was in some ways linked to uh, to Russia and to Moscow. He, he was kind of like friendly with them, mm-hmm. um, I think because he was, you know, kind of more of a socialist, you know. Uh, he also helped in the Iran-Iraq war to try to broker peace between Iran and Iraq. Although that didn't actually happen until 1988. But he was known as a humanitarian, as someone who really believed in liberal values, and who was willing to step up and fight for those values, speak up for those values, even when it was not good for him politically or for his country diplomatically. So he he was the kind of person who would say things in a meeting with a foreign head of state that really you're not supposed to say, that are kind of impolitic, because he felt like he needed to stand up for what he, you know, thought were human rights and and what was right. So just to kind of, you know, understand that this was a man who made a lot of friends that way and a lot of admirers that way, but also made a lot of enemies that way, you know, for sure. And some of those enemies are... Some of the ones, obviously, who people think may have may have been um, behind his murder. Um, and, and also just to underscore that there has, up to this point, there was no significant history of political violence in Sweden. This was sui generis. Um, wow. According to what I was reading, that this was pretty much unique in, in modern Sweden in, in terms of having this kind of political violence. So to get into some of the theories, um, I'll start out with the ones that have less evidence for them and then get to some of the more, well, kind of the one more plausible one. 
So first of all, the South African government being behind it, obviously for Olaf Palma's opposition to the apartheid government, um, which just briefly, if, you, if you're not aware, apartheid refers to the separation of the races. Mm-hmm. Uh, the United States had an apartheid government for quite a long time. Yes. Um, the South African apartheid government existed until 1994. Um, the author Stieg Larsson oddly comes into play with this theory. Uh, he was the author of um, the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and that that series of books. Oh, I read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that book. So Stieg Larsson also had a big interest in this case. Obviously, he's Swedish and, uh-huh. you know, naturally. But he was also a big, you know... Um, crime guy, you know, true crime guy. And he actually had like 15 big files on the crime that he had been housing himself that um, basically implicated a known assassin who was working for the South African apartheid government. And there was uh, some indications that it may have been that person or maybe a different person who's also linked to the South African government who committed the crime. But again, although there have been people who've made statements to that effect, there have also been people who've made statements to different effects vis-a-vis different countries. So it's a little hard to know. This this may just be kind of a rabbit hole or tur- wild turkey chase or whatever, or wild goose chase. That's the, that's the words I was trying to get out. Um... And there's there's really no, like, physical evidence or anything that, to back it up. Uh, another one for which there's also no real evidence is that it was uh, Kurdish rebels, uh, specifically the Kurdistan Workers' Party, or PKK. Um, Kurdish terrorists did take sanctuary in Sweden in the 1980s, so there were some PKK members in the country. But there, there's just no real there's evidence, no evidence that, they were that they were linked to it at all. In the same place, same time type thing. Yeah, there's, there's just no evidence that they were linked to it. Um, there's also a theory that it was right-wing Swedish police who were behind the murder. Um, because basically they, you know, vehemently disagreed with Palma's, you know, stances on, on police and policing and, and just generally. But again, no evidence that that's the case. Um, people also speculate that it, it could have been the Masons, but again, like the Freemasons. Yeah. Like the Freemasons. And I, I didn't really, is that an international group? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, again, the just kind of seems to be rank speculation. <laughs> um, so one theory that there's kind of more plausible, you know, kind of, uh, backing for, is that it was carried out, that the assassination of Olaf Palma was carried out by the Yugoslavian secret police, known as the UDBA. And the theory here is that Palma may have gotten caught up in the secret war, which we do know was going on at that time. The what? The secret war. So in other words, a conflict, but not an open conflict, kind of a covert conflict. Was that happening between Switzerland and... No, that's what I was about to get into. Oh, sorry. That's okay. So between the Yugoslavian government under Marshal Tito and his opponents living abroad, some of whom were living in Sweden, but also other countries. So basically, the UDBA was carrying out missions in other countries to assassinate people. So that could be one of their missions? That maybe Palma was seen as being an uh, uh, obstruction to them carrying out their assassinations and their violence. So he also oh, had to be gotten rid of. Oh, okay. That's the theory. And we do know that the UDBA carried out about 100 assassinations wow. between the mid-60s and 1991. Jesus. So they would have been more than willing and able to to do this. And in 2011, a UDBA operative basically said that they were behind the killing and that it was a false flag operation to implicate Croatian radicals. So basically they were doing it and made it 
uh, tried to make it look as though it was Croatian radicals who did it. Well, they didn't do a good job. In in a bid to implicate them and, and get them in trouble. Right. So is that a theory too? That's the most plausible theory, which this, this kind of feeds oh, into, is that it actually okay. was Croatian radicals who were behind it. Um, and, and just as a footnote to that last one, the UDBA was known to conduct this type of false flag operation. So again, it's plausible. Um, but also, again, on the other hand, there have been a number of different people who have confessed or said that it was these other people in mutually exclusive ways. So it, it's it's hard to take any of them with that much credence. But, but to get into this... Um, well, j- just another side theory before I get to the Croatian radicals theory, which, again, seems like the most plausible. Some other people think that it may have been an American spy uh, doing it at the behest of the Pinochet government in Chile, who who was also an enemy of uh, Olaf Palma. But anyway, the Croatian radicals, L- Lisbeth Palma, the wife of Olaf Palma, uh-huh. thinks that this is the most likely theory, that it was Croatian radicals. And that they killed Olaf because of his opposition to their use of violence in Sweden. So in in a sort of similar way that these Croatian radicals were trying to, you know, off um, their uh, Yugoslav um, enemies. Because at this time, you know, Yugoslavia was still a single country. But there were Croatians who wanted Croatia to be its own country, right? Um, and, and they were, you know, sort of carrying out these terrorist attacks to try to make that happen, including a terrorist attack on the Yugoslav embassy in Stockholm and also the hijacking of a Scandinavian Airlines DC-9 flight. Wow. So, you know, again, these were, you know, people who So that does seem very plausible then. Yeah. If they've done, you know. Right. That we, we know that they definitely were involved in violence in Sweden around the same time. So the reason why this is all still very mysterious is because although there are, you know, myriad people who've confessed to it and said that their organizations or other organizations were behind it, still there's no physical evidence. There's no forensic, plausible evidence that links any of these parties to the crime itself and that's why really we'll just never know but to me those last two well not the american one but the yugoslav secret police or the croatian radicals those definitely seem like the most plausible but at this point it's not clear that we'll ever find out it doesn't seem like it but although that's the case there have been anywhere between two and five Swedish police working on this case since then, I- including one who had been working on it from 1986 all the way to, I think the article I read was like 2014. Wow. And, and he was like going to retire in a couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think if I recall correctly, it said they've spent, I don't remember, like $40 million or something on the investigation so far. Um, and they actually changed the statute. They actually got rid of the statute of limitations, rather, um, on murder in Sweden. It was 25 years. Shouldn't we do that? We, there is no statute of limitations on murder in the United oh, States. wow. Yeah, job, I'm Puppy. not sure that there has been. Um, but it, it was 25 years in Sweden. And just before the 25th anniversary of oh, all of they, like, murder, changed it? They, they got rid of it. And they claimed that it wasn't because of that, well, but clearly it was. Yeah, and 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 they've kept the investigation going, uh, presumably all the way up until today. I mean, like I said, I know they added a new prosecutor just in 2016. So who knows? Maybe maybe someday we'll find out. And if I hear something, I'll definitely update y'all. <laughs> that was good. Good job. Thanks. Thanks. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, I guess do some weird Weird shit shit in in the the news. news. Okay. So mine's also very quick. Okay. Um, so I saw on Twitter and then we also heard on NPR when we were coming back that Alexa, Amazon, um, Amazon's Alexa has been cackling at people. can you say Alexa a couple more times? No. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's fine. In case it's, you know, opening up people's Alexa. Is Alexa on... Oh, that would be funny as hell. <laughs> I'm not sure that that actually happens, but I think it might. If I was, like, said Alexa over the phone to somebody and, like, she could hear me. I think me. we've said Alexa, like, 18 times now. <laughs> Alexa? <laughs> also, we're not editing this. Alexa? <laughs> okay, go on. Well, that she's been, like, cackling. Right. At inopportune times right. and unprompted. Mm-hmm. So usually the echo or the dot or whatever you have, the, machine. the fire, um, is prompted by when you talk to it, wh- right. by something verbal. But apparently she's been laughing. Yeah. I read some tweets, pretty creepy stuff. We heard about an NPR, mm-hmm. read a couple articles about it. It's pretty weird. It's some pretty Black weird. Mirror shit yep. right there. Yep. Uh-uh. Nope. I'm not I wanted one. one. I wanted one until I heard the story. Right. I don't want her laughing at me. I read one yeah. that was like, this girl was doing Ask Alexa to set a timer because she was doing planks. And when she asked Alexa how much time she had left, Alexa just laughed. Like, <laughs> oh, you fool. Time is a construct. <laughs> oh, God. But they say it's witch-like mm-hmm. and it's more of a cackle. Yeah. Probably it's um, a witch's soul who's embodied within the Alexa system. Well, you said it was a hacker. Or that, <laughs> more likely. But, yeah, weird, right? Or just right? a glitch or something. Some weird shit. That is weird. That is definitely weird. Okay, I'll do mine now. Um, so mine is from a story in Vanity Fair. And y'all have probably heard about this, but if you haven't, it's pretty weird. Um the Francis McDormand stolen Oscar statue caper gets weirder. That's the the name of the Vanity Fair article. The headline, rather. So, yeah, I don't know if you heard. Francis McDormand's Oscar for Best Actress was stolen at the Oscars after party. That would happen to me. I'd leave that shit leading on the, like, on the table. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure she was holding it at the time. This was also in front of what? a huge crowd of people and also obviously being photographed and filmed. So there was no way this guy was going to get away with this. Um, and what makes it weirder is that this guy, his name is Terry Bryant. He's 47 years old and he's basically like a professional party crasher. Like this is what he does. He dresses up in a tuxedo he goes to uh, parties after the Golden Globes, after the Oscars, after the Emmys. Not like, cool. He has been there for all of these. Seems and just, he just seems like an asshole to me. He's a hanger-oner, for sure. And he also seems like he's maybe a bit of a pathological liar. Oh, because God. he claims to have like worked with all these people and to be like a producer... And seems like it's all maybe kind of bullshit. Like, he has one song I did on, not hear about this. He has one song on Spotify called Greatness. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like Kanye West if Kanye West wasn't successful. Right, exactly. <laughs> but Kanye West can, like, do the shit that he says because he's, like... <laughs> he, he's also taken, like, two pictures with Beyonce and claims that he, like, knows her personally. It's it's very strange. Here, this is a picture of him. Oh man! Yeah. So I mean, you look at him. He he looks like pretty respectable, right? I mean, like if you saw him at the party, you'd think, oh, there's just another guy. But what apparently got him in this instance is that um, a photographer like saw him. You know, like an official photographer uh-huh. of the thing saw him and was like. Mm, I do not remember that guy getting an Oscar. Uh, <laughs> and was like, hey, you know, told like one of the security guys, like, hey, I don't think that guy is, I don't think that's his Oscar. Like, I don't remember him getting an Oscar. Um, and he he was like filming like a selfie video. To, With like, the post, Oscar? Yeah. To, what like, an idiot! To like post on Instagram. And, and, but not only that, he was like, oh, it's for music. Yeah. Sorry. So it's not totally... From your one song on Spotify titled Greatness? I don't fucking think so. Yeah, I don't know. And that's what a Grammy is for. Well, right? you, can, you can get an Oscar for music, too. But for, like, music in a movie. Yeah. 
Was Presumably his... that's what he would have been talking about. God. But it's also, to me, it's kind of unclear if maybe there's some mental illness involved here. Too. That might be true. So well. I don't know. I, I want to reserve my judgment to some extent. Maybe, maybe this guy has something. I don't know. I want to leave some room for empathy. You never know. You never know. And, and he, also, a good point. he also did not resist at all. Like, when they came and took it away from him and took him away, he just went. You know, and he let it go. So, I don't know. Frances McDormand, obviously I feel bad for her too. Like, fuck, that's gotta be a fucking horrible feeling. If even for one minute... Oh my god. You know, you think you've lost your Oscar. Well, I don't know. Maybe Frances McDormand's like, whatever, I don't give a shit about that statue. I know I'm the best actress. I fucking love Frances McDormand too. This is just an excuse for me to say she's like one of my favorite actors. (laughs) Fucking love Frances McDormand. I always have... Um, I love her in Fargo. She was obviously amazing in Three Billboards. Amazing actor. Anyway, I also wanted to do some good shit in the news. Go for it. So, I don't know if y'all had seen this too, um, but if you remember a man named Philando Castile, who tragically was killed by a police officer yep. during One of a traffic many, stop. Many, many names. Many, many, many. Many, many people to whom this has happened um, wasn't doing anything wrong, by the way. Not that that would justify it, obviously, but this man was a saint. Like, he was like a modern-day Kris Kringle. He helped kids out. He was beloved in his community. He was just like a paragon of society. And one of his big causes and like big you know, kind of um, ways in which he would give back to the community was if a kid, you know, because he was a school lunch worker, Mm -hmm. um, if a kid wasn't able to pay for his or her lunch, he would pay for it, just like on a regular basis. And this is a guy not making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a school lunch worker, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He is not getting rich, right? And he is, or was, I should say, I mean, he's deceased now, rest in peace, um would take the some of the little money that he had and give it to these kids. You know, just like such a good person. So a I'm like getting emotional. Oh well, yeah, um, it's just fucked up and I'm so fucking sick of it. I'm sorry, it pisses me I off. Know. I know, but this I, is good. Oh, this this is good. Okay. Um but anyway, a foundation was set up in his name and they basically paid off like all the the student lunch debt. In his district recently. Wow. So, and I'm assuming they're going to, you know, continue to do that on a uh-huh. continuing basis. So, basically that that legacy of, you know, Philando Castile making sure, like, you're going to get to eat, you know, little kid. And you don't have to worry about having a fucking debt when you're 10 years old that you have to worry about. Which is another tragedy in this country. But anyway, that's also a different story. But because of, you know, his greatness and his caring and empathy for these people, uh, other people have taken up that cause and are going to make sure that, at least in his community, that gets taken forward, you know, in the right way. So, so you know, good on them, uh, good on his legacy. Good, you good know, things. It's it's good. It's good, a good things in the world. Good things. Dogs still exist, you guys. It's okay. True. All dogs go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. All right. All Philando Castiles go to heaven. All Philando Castiles go to heaven. God bless. All right. God bless. God bless. God bless. And God bless you guys for listening to us. Thank you for listening for real. Right, uh, rate us, subscribe, do all that stuff. Right. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, Thanks for waiting a day for my What's fucked up computer. Called? What's our podcast called? Mystery Murder. Mystery Murdery Thingy. That's literally what it is on Facebook. Or not Facebook. Instagram. Right. What's our podcast called? We also have a Facebook page that I'll, we were talking about earlier. Although it is closed, I mean, you can definitely, like, look up. You Right? Can you look it up and, like, ask to join? I think so. Probably. If not, I'm not we'll a big Facebooker. That way. Yeah. I'll make it that way if not. I don't know. We're still new at this. You can also email us. I guess we should say that too. Yeah, you can email us. Um, email us at mysterymurderythingy at gmail.com. 
mystery murdery m-u-r-d-e-r-y murdery thingy yeah t-h-i-n-g-y y's no i-e's yeah just y's all spelled out mystery murdery thingy um if you just like want to tell us fuck you or i love you or like other things. Chloe's pretty hot. Stuff like that. Tell us about your mysteries. Tell us about your mysteries. That would be fucking great. If you've got a mystery, you know one, You and you've got your own damn theory, tell... Or maybe t- people can send us in their own theories on what happened on Ooh. stuff that we've done. Maybe that could be a segment. That could be a thing. Yeah. We'll think about it. If we get enough emails, we'll do it. Love us. <laughs> Okay, we should probably wrap up, I guess. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye. Uh, Bye. Good job by you. Oh, God. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.